Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my brother, Dagan, seasonally depressed Moriarty. Dagan, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I wasn't expecting that. To every season, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, 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 turn. Why can't I carry it to, like, why do I have no musical inclination whatsoever? That was pretty good. I don't think that was Really? It wasn't terrible? No, you had the right cadence too. Like, you know, you know what bothers me? I think I've said this before is when people sing songs, but they want to get to the next part so bad that they just don't, there's no rhythm to it. So like, you know how there's like a little break, yes. a few seconds and they get, and then they just start singing the next part. And it's just, come on, man. I know. That's not, that's not music. That's weird, isn't it? You, you know, it's funny One that you said that. Two this e is... and a three and a four. <laughs> <laughs> Who like was, was I watching? Drums. Like some YouTube rabbit hole yesterday. Oh, I landed on like a Paul Simon song I was listening to, and then it just rolled into like live performances. So a song that he crafted, that he wrote, he wrote the music to, doing it on stage, like, how can you miss that bad? You, it's your song. You know what I mean? Like, you know when they do live performances? And I, I guess it's like, you could speak to this better, but like, they could probably get bored doing the song countless times, dozens and dozens, hundreds of times. They just kind of do their own thing with it. It becomes like a yeah, ditty, oh yeah. you know? Yeah. But you feel, you know, as you're watching, you feel like, you know, you're just, you're butchering it. Like, why yeah, are you doing it It's like it a that cover way? of your own song. Yeah, no, I, right? I get bothered by that a lot too. hate that. Totally. I totally do too. I, I, there's a band I like, Umphreys McGee. They're like a jam band, but they did this one great record called Anchor Drops. I think it came out in 2004 and the songs are great, but when you watch them live, they just like jam for like 20 minutes. I'm like, just sh- play the song. It's so self-indulgent. song? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right, like you're doing it, you're having fun, that's great, but you're not thinking of the paying customer. Yeah, I mean, some people are into that whole jam band thing and I get Maybe that, but too, that's, that's definitely not, that's definitely not for me. I agree. Like, I want to see the rockin' version of your of your songs live. I mean, that's sure. what I want to see. Right. Totally with you on that. How can they improve it though? Like, all right, I get it. Like, you, you're a song of of a. Uh, you could put the CD in. You could listen to the. You listen to it on YouTube, whatever. But what could they? So maybe you do want like an unplugged version or something that sounds a little different. You're a fan of the band, so you want to hear what they're going to do with it. But what could they do? What could a could a band do or a singer do or performer in a concert to take the song to the next level? Like even do it better than the radio version. What, in your opinion, like what could they do there? You know, what can they do to like build on or make it, you know, make it even better than the version that you love already. I, I just think it's so rare for that to be yeah. like possible, you know, like I think some bands are even better live than they are on record. Like I think that about three eleven, my favorite band, I think they're awesome live. I mean, I think it's just a lot more energy and it's, it's fun, but, and then there are some bands that are like notoriously bad live, which is, horrible and hard to watch but i can only think of a few songs where based on like specific recordings like live at the whatever the there's some police recordings that 
I think about wrapped around your finger specifically. There's mm. like a really amazing live version of that and a few others. But I, I think generally speaking, I don't want it's like when yeah, I don't know if you've noticed this. Some bands and acts have been starting have started to re-record their songs because the licensing on the recordings is expired. Oh, that's interesting. So like or like there's a, a dispute. So this is this happened with Def Leppard a while ago, and it's happening more recently with Taylor Swift. And when you go and listen to like the Def Leppard re-recordings, it's like, yo, this sucks. Like the original piece of art, like it, the original recording is the song as we know it. You right. can't, can't even though that. it's the same song, like it just doesn't sound the same. No, it, it's not the same. Because I can that understand recording that recording is oh. the Yeah, absolutely. So. It's like repainting the Mona Lisa. Like you can't. It's already iconic. You can't change it, you know? Right. Very interesting, my friend. And when you listen to a song a hundred times, like think about Photograph, like a great Def Leppard song. It's like, you know, every little piece of that song. And then when you listen to it, the new version, it's like the sound's almost like a good cover of the song, but it's not the original. And well, um, so it's it's very interesting, the whole licensing drama that forces bands to do that. But um, I don't know. How's everything else going on in your life, though, Dave? What's it's okay. Yeah, taking a reprieve from work to record the show. Um, I was just thinking about this, dreading going back to work for the last couple hours because I did. I just got through like a sixty-second chunk of animation, had fun with it, you know. But now I got to go back and do the last step, which is lip syncing to the audio to the dialogue. And you know why I don't like the lip syncing process? It goes fast. It'll take me probably a couple hours to do the whole 60 seconds. It's not a big deal. But here's the thing that makes it a drag. I can't listen to anything while I do it because you're plotting the mouth movements frame by frame. You can't listen to a podcast. You can't listen to an album. You can't listen to anything. It's It's the part of the process that has no entertainment whatsoever. Now, when I'm animating, I can't really listen to music and stuff anyway until I'm animating. You know, if I'm plotting out the the scene, if I'm key posing, later on lip syncing, I can't. It's just too much concentration. The part I love the most is the most time consuming process, which is the, you know, A to Z point by point animation connecting the dots frame by frame. I love it. It's cathartic. There's something really satisfying about getting that, you know, getting a nice smooth piece of animation, something fluid. But also because the mental heavy lifting is already done. I already thought it out and it's very mechanical. Actually animating frame by frame is very mechanical. It's very cathartic. And I could listen to music. You know, I could listen to music. I could enjoy a podcast. I could listen to an interview, whatever I'm, whatever I'm feeling that day. But well, yeah, with lip sync, man, I'm just, I'm dreading like two hours from now when I have to go in and do it. You, you really have to steal yourself sometimes. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this right now. You know, it's like, woe is me, you know, but um, I'll get through it. I'll be, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. There are the worst parts of everyone's jobs that they don't want to do, even the cool ones. Totally. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm oh, totally yeah. Of course. Way. Yeah. I mean, I'm complaining with the best job in the world, but yeah, I'm a just... chronic uh, for me, like uh, just a chronic multitasker. Like I just don't feel fulfilled if I'm not doing multiple things at once. And that's <laughs> that's why I think I don't write very much anymore, like as much as I should be, because I can't do anything when I write except for write. And yeah. I'm like, well, I want to listen to podcasts and clean or I want to listen to music and work out or I want I just always feel like I need to be doing multiple things at once so it's very hard for me to yeah like you said buckle down on the things that you need to do in just a, a vacuum you're good with that you're, you're definitely good you're a good multitasker I can't multitask I can't do it you think as a dad I would have learned by now right you know it's like oh my god I gotta make the kids lunch like it's like I'm in the weeds <laughs> it's like I gotta work and you're make like the kids sweat, lunch how can I do bullets. this <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel unfulfilled. I mean, that's just the OCD in me. I'm just feeling kind of unfulfilled if I'm not like doing multiple things. But that that's uh, that's weird. I can't even be like just not doing anything. I have to always be doing something. Yeah. No, I know. I know you. I know. I don't just stare at like the wall or like daydream <laughs> or anything like that. Like I'm just gonna sit out on the porch and just look. You know, I like people do that. There's like I'm gonna sit out here and I'm just gonna stare at the forever. Complete stare chill. at this. Yeah. That's complete funny. chill. Right. Rocking chair on the porch type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. I can't. I don't have that in me. Maybe it's, you know, that work ethic, that Moriarty work ethic. I guess we're on the Ruggiero side, too, in all fairness. But uh, how are you doing? How is you getting ready for the weekend? Uh, Yeah, I'm getting ready for the weekend. Oh, I should acknowledge we are a, a week behind on our show for the first time, but we're going to get all we had some technical issues, but we're going to get I don't like to really talk about those things in the show because it kind of times and and dates the show but sure sure we are we acknowledge that we're a week behind and we'll we'll take care of that in the, in the coming weeks but yeah everything's good we um let me think this won't go live until after i announce this i guess so we've made another hire i've hired micah uh our this, this girl my or our my our girlfriend my girlfriend <laughs> uh <laughs> to be the coordinator of the company she was looking for jobs here and I was just like, well, why don't you just come work for us instead? Because I can match that pay and we need help in in organizing. And I wrote her this and Dustin, this huge email about like long, like very CEO, like, like short term, midterm and long term goals for this position to get us all together so that we have like a a functioning production calendar so that we have like predictable, like a really concrete, predictable schedule. And she kind of coordinates everything with everyone. So no one has to, so I don't have to text you and be like, we're going at one or I don't have to text Chris. And he's like, I'm running late. It's like, we just know when we're going, we have a system in place to make any changes. It'll have like a, you know, a memoriam of things we've talked about in the past and it'll, it'll be cool. And then we're going to give her, you know, some social media and moderation powers on different places. And we don't really get into the weeds with, facebook dms and twitter dms and stuff like there are people out there we just kind of are ignoring and so this will get a lot of things off my plate so that's what i've been dealing with and dustin was just here a few days ago too yeah to um re-up his contract and and all of that negotiate a higher wage it's all very efficient look first of all round of applause for micah let's hear it out there for all you guys and gals i'm serious i I can't tell if you're clapping but i i trust you she listen that's huge god bless her because she's in for it yeah and i'd say she's brave i i give her courage points her courage meter is off the charts i would say and also we need her (laughs) yeah we do we just we need we need an organizational force in the company dustin is the producing force is dealing with all of the back-end annoying shit that i don't want to deal with and ben does a lot of the editing and so we need someone to just now manage like the person there you go beautiful yeah it's a beautiful thing so Got to invest. As I've been saying, businesses, natural economic law, businesses trend towards growth, even if you don't aren't necessarily seeking it. And so we aren't necessarily seeking growth per se, and yet it is finding us and we're thankful for that. So I've had to make some accommodations for that. Like the company is bigger than I thought it was going to be it, for sure. It's a, it's it's pretty insane when you think about it. I, t- I try not to think about it too much because although I get very excited for you when I when I when I think about these things. But yeah, man, I mean, biggest patreon in the in the video game space right yeah i think so On there was Planet another Earth. one coming up that was that was competing with us i don't know if they passed us or not but we'll just keep i mean that's anyway. huge even to be in the top 100 it's video games right yeah very saturated place yeah we have a great audience so we're, we're really 
grateful for that. And she'll be weaved into some of the content when it makes sense, too, because the other thing that's useful about her, she's really into video games and understands it. And that's another thing she's going to help us do is keep like a release schedule organized yeah. and like event schedule. So we just know when to pull things and all that. It'll be, it'll be cool. I'm excited to see how it all works. Out. Welcome, so Micah. Soon. I still haven't met you in person. Yeah. Willkommen. <laughs> As they might say, I believe in Germany. They say that. They might. So that's it. Dig. Now, this topic is easy breezy, pardon the pun in a moment, but you had brought this one up and I thought this was an interesting one because people like these ethereal generalized nostalgia podcast and this one's about as people know because they clicked on it or hit plays the seasons but i'm going to call it the this uh something like the nostalgia of seasons because i think this is a inherent fundamental building block of nostalgia right when you think about it i thought this was a really interesting thing I, this topic i really i'm glad you brought it up because you think about the structure of nostalgia okay you need a place you need a time you need people and like a setting, right? Part of that setting is the weather. Part of that setting is the time of year and the things that the time of year accommodates in your life as a child and in your teen years. And so, of course, this is like a massive component of what nostalgia is. And what's funny is that every single season, all four of them have plenty of nostalgic memories for me, but also bring a lot of painful. And, and of course, nostalgia is pain. So I was excited to talk about this one. Where did you, why did you want to talk about this? Yeah, this is a, this is a really interesting one. We have, you know, as you said, we have our little storytelling slash childhood adventure slash waxing nostalgic topics of just talking about, you know, you and I growing up that we usually keep a, you know, a unofficial list of. And this one was, you know, the four seasons was not the, not the four seasons, not, not the, the hotel. Not, Frank, not, and not Frankie Valley. Not, no, not at all. But this one was on the list and you picked it. We have some other good ones coming up. And I think this is a good one because like you said, like all of our nostalgia, our memories, knocking back to the past, like it's set, you know, a big part of it is that time of year that it's set in. And like you said, I think you said it so perfectly already. It's in, you know, defined inherently by the weather character characteristics of each of the four seasons. But also, like you said, the routines, the traditions, the behaviors, the experiences growing up that are tied to a specific time of year. So. And even writing it down, you know, little four, four topic, four different tabs, four different seasons, and then just kind of bullet pointing a list underneath those, like a lot to say about each one of them growing up. Like, you know, the, it, each one kicks up a lot of, a lot of memories. And like you said, positive, negative, funny, certainly another opportunity to throw mom and dad under the bus a little bit. Oh, definitely. Which, definitely. you know, we have to do. So yeah, I think this will be this will be a fun, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say too. Because again, that eleven year age difference between us, there's some things that you went through as tied to the seasons that I probably am not even aware of or don't remember. So it's nice for me to kick back and just hear some stories too, which I always, you know, I always talk about loving hearing, especially my friends and family tell stories. It's my one of my favorite things in the world. I love hearing like good storytellers tell stories. So this is one of those topics that I think will be, you know, hopefully be a, a kick. Cool, man. Well, what season do you want to start with? I was going to ask you the same thing. Now, I have winter as my first topic, but I I didn't I, I think that was just random in my notebook. How do you feel about starting with with winter? Yeah, I actually have winter first on my list as well, just coincidentally. I'm I'm totally comfortable starting with winter, very very nostalgic season. What what do you yes. have to say about this season? You know what's funny about it now? You think about you have the conversation, what's your favorite season? 
I always thought that was kind of a tough thing to answer because I love all the seasons for their own different attributes then and now. But I have to say now, if I'm being completely honest, winter is probably my least favorite season now as an Mm. adult. And I think that's, we live in the Northeast. You think of the drudgery and the labor involved with just shoveling and having to drive in the snow and having to deal with the weather. It's icy. It's cold. My bones are getting old. You know, I'm not sub, the sub zero, sub freezing weather, man. It's just, it's not for me. But as a kid, I don't think I felt that way at all. I think winter was probably among my favorites of the seasons. And I think, you know, so much of the winter for me, I don't know about you, Kyle. I think about, first of all, it's important to say, especially for the younger listeners out there and watchers, the 70s and the 80s when I was growing up, I feel like we got a lot more quote unquote wintry weather. We got a lot of snow. It snowed often. When it did snow, it seemed to snow a lot, like a foot or more. And, you know, talk about global warming and the argument around that kind of thing, whatever. But I think it's just a fact. Like since the 90s and the aughts, I just think we haven't had, especially, you know, talk, coming from a Northeastern United States perspective anyway, we haven't had that, that type of weather. So thinking back, and I guess it's a scale issue too, because you're, you know, you're smaller, you're younger, you have less experience, less wisdom. It seems like probably when it snowed eight inches and you're eight years old, it seems like a lot more than when you're, you know, an adult and you've been through it before. But I can remember just a lot of snow and a lot of blustery weather, you know, it being very cold, playing out in the snow. It seemed like that every time it snowed, you know, what's funny as a kid, I don't remember it snowing three or four inches ever. It seemed like when it snowed, it was like Hoth, you know, like we dug, dug the trenches. We did, you know, of course, the Hoth Empire Strikes Back was a huge part of winter for us because, you know, then we got to do, we got to play as Luke and Han. In the, in the ice trenches, in the snow trenches. But it was a lot of my memories are definitely tied to the snow. And then the other thing in the winter for me, just in broad strokes, I think everything was sort of tied around that period of the holidays from Thanksgiving on to Christmas and the excitement of those holidays. And also one of the only times a year we were off from school for a prolonged period of time. We had summer vacation and maybe we had a little spring break in there. But for the most part, that winter vacation over Christmas into the new year was a big part of the excitement and the fun around the wintertime, you know, winter season. So, you know, for me, it definitely starts with the snow and with Christmas. Now, what do you, not, and that's just broad strokes. I definitely want mm-hmm. to tell a couple of, of different stories, specific memories. But what about for you? How do you, fine winter how do you prefer winter where do you rank it in the seasons and what you what are your general thoughts yeah i actually have long insisted that winter is the best season now i it's it's interesting because it's really about what you're looking for i imagine that if you want to go on the beach and swim and stuff then you're going to want to be in the summer or if you want to yeah go skiing or something you want to be in the winter but for me winter was a lot it's wrapped up a lot in nostalgia for me with school and the act of bundling up and putting on your boots and your gloves and kind of being at the mercy in some way of the weather in a way that you're not in the rest of the year for play and interest because in the summer, it just kind of consistently stays hot. You'll have some dips and valleys and maybe some rain and stuff, but you're going to have pool weather for the most part. It's going to be hot. It's going to be scorching. It's going to be humid. You can kind of predict that. 
winters are a little more wily in that they come and go in weird ways. I remember the first winter I moved to Virginia in 2020 that there was no snow. And then last year there was like a lot of snow. So or this earlier this year, I should say. So for me, I, I look at winter as being this thing where you're kind of hoping and wishing for things out of it. You're hoping and wishing for snowy weather. You're hoping and wishing for a snow day. You're hoping and wishing for time to play outside with your friends and have snowball fights and build forts and all these kinds of things. And I thought you would find this especially interesting, Dig, you know, because we, we grew up both in the classic 80s toy era. When you'd see those commercials, right, for G.I. Joe or for Mask or for something, and they were playing with like in the Arctic play sets or whatever, and you'd have like the, they'd be out in the snow. I'd always wanted to recreate that more than anything. I didn't often play with my toys outside because I cared about them too much. But, you know, when they were always like they'd have like the the whale hovercraft like in the in the water and the, and and then there were scenes where they do it in the snow. And I always really wanted to try to re recreate that and did a few tried to do that a few times. It's never as cool as it is on. I don't know how, you know, because you realize they're on a set and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just think about that, too, about the specific way you play with your toys during this this era. And I, of course, have to also give a shout out to hockey. I mean, I played hockey year round for much, much of my life, much of my childhood, I should say, and teen years. And so winter wasn't any really different than summer because I was playing then as well. But fall and winter just means hockey. It means the NHL. It means that perfect weather for pond hockey. It means just all of that. And it's so fun the way winter just brings that all into. And, and that is another thing, having grown up in New England for a few years, where you're kind of at the behest of the weather and hoping for horrible weather because and you want it to be like as cold as possible and stay that way up in Maine and New Hampshire. So everything freezes and then you can safely skate and all of that. So, yeah. And of course, uh, Christmas, I feel like winter for some reason holds the most. I also want to say that it has the most along with the fall, the potential of gaming weather, what I would call gaming weather, reading weather, writing weather. I love I have a lot of fond memories in high school in my bedroom at dad's on Woodland. I had a skylight in my room, as you know, and just there was a tree outside and the tree would die and the tree would come to life and the snow would fall on the and the rain would fall onto the to the skylight. And you'd be I'd be sitting kind of Indian style on the end of my bed playing like I usually was and all that. And I just so winter brings a lot of that, too, and comes with it a lot of games that I think about too, a lot of role playing games, you know, or Xeno Gears and Ray Fencer Musashi and Final Fantasy six. These are all games I played in the winter for sure for the first time. I remember that. So. What do you think of all that? I love I mean, I love that, you know, the opportunity to sort of hole up even more, you know, and, and just hunker down with whatever your indoor hobbies are. I remember even thinking back. I love the gaming thing because that applies to all ages, you know, for for you and I certainly. But also like just thinking back to being young, like we really relished the wintertime, especially the snow, because we had, you know, our snowball fights our snow forts reenacting empire strikes back was a huge thing. Tommy, my best friend, Tommy, their family were avid skiers. So he had all the goggles and like Hoth, like, you know, star Wars winter gear. So we would like grab probably hundred dollars ski goggles. Like his parents were so cool though. Like they didn't care. Like as long as we were having fun, you know, we would grab everything. Like who was going to be Han, who was going to be Luke and who was going to be, you know, we reenact the Wampa scene. It was so fun. And then, of course, like as we got a little bit older, sledding was also a huge thing. But we also, especially Tommy and I, because we were a little more introverted with our toys and we like to be inside doing that kind of stuff, we would just do like the most enormous G.I. Joe and Star Wars. And I guess later on a little bit with Mask and Transformers, just do those multi-day campaigns, like, you know, really play with a whole 
all our toys like over the entire weekend, you know, stage at this enormous GI Joe battle and stuff. Such a fun time to be inside and, and just have an excuse for it. And also the other thing is too, like just take a little longer, like prolong Saturday mornings with cartoons. You didn't feel that pressure to be outside in the nice weather. I kind of love that. And one thing you reminded me of while you were talking, Kyle, too, of course, the excitement around being a kid, Christmas, all the gifts you wanted, especially in our family, because that opportunity to get a lot of gifts didn't come up that often. We had birthdays, mm. we had Christmas, a good report card, maybe. Grandma and grandpa filled in the gaps with the spoiling. But that was really the opportunity to get what you wanted, you know, get the toys you wanted and stuff. So Christmas was exciting. But when we got a little bit older, Christmas was also a really something to look forward to because we would all be back together again. You were up in New England. Dana was off in college. Allie was in New York. I was in Connecticut or wherever I, California for a little while, wherever I was. So over the winter, we would come back together, usually at dad's, you know, around the holidays, around Christmas specifically, and all be together. So that was something to look forward to as we got a little older. So there was always something sort of anchored around Christmas, around Thanksgiving to Christmas, I would say with the family, always something to look forward to. And, you know, also something important to note about winter, even though I don't prefer it now in my old age, I'm sort of, you know, grumpy old man style, but I like being in the Northeast of the United States. You know, everybody says seasons, you know, you get the seasons and you don't get that everywhere. If you're down South, some, some, some places out West, it's not quite the same. Yes, yeah, Obviously not. places, you know, other places in the world, but I like the contrast between winter and summer. I feel like, let's say you were a huge summer guy or girl, right? I think part of that appreciation is getting through, you know, a grueling winter, you know, experiencing the snow, the cold weather, the frostbite, you know, the chapped lips, all that kind of stuff. If you don't have that, how can you really appreciate spring and summer? So mm. I love that cyclical nature of just always having something to look forward to. Maybe maybe it works in the reverse way too. Like you're in summertime, it's hot, you know, you sort of beat, maybe it hasn't rained in a while, you're just kind of over it. So you're looking forward to winter and you're looking forward to being with the family and holidays and stuff. So I love the cyclical nature of always having that change. I think that change kind of, it's so, and maybe it's because we grew up with it, we're used to it. That's what we're accustomed to. But I think, you know, that's probably good for your mental health to always have that constant things being constant flux. You know, the world you live in is in constant flux, not only for the way it feels, but for the way it looks and the things that you do. So even though winter now, you know, not the most big fan, I think I would miss it. You know, I think about being in California. I think about oh, living out God. there still. And it's, it's horrible. Like, yeah. I think I would really miss that, you know, that change. Because winter, I lived without seasons for 13 years. I mean, that's a long time. You know, San Francisco was basically San Francisco has an Indian summer kind of in September, October, where it gets really hot for a few weeks. And then it has a rainy season that kind of varies. There were a couple of years where it barely rained at all, but then it would rain like constantly from like December to February. <sighs> but otherwise, it was just the same. And, and it got to the point where. I never checked the weather. I had to really, really reacclimate myself to look like you look at the weather. You see what the weather is going to be here in Virginia because it, it could rain. It could be hot. It right. could be cold. No fucking idea. But in, in San Francisco, I don't remember there it ever being brutally cold and it was never brutally hot. That's I a mean, great point. No one has air conditioning in San Francisco. It's not even like that. That's an unknown fact to a lot of people. But buildings are not really unless they're really new. There's no air AC and there's no need for it. They don't need it. So now down in L.A., 
it's totally different. It's a scorching hot place. And it's just, I was explaining to Micah recently. I'm like, imagine a, just a dirty oiled and garbage covered city that's baking in the sun all day. And then when it comes at nighttime, it doesn't even have enough time in the dark to dissipate that heat. And it just builds up in the concrete and it builds up in the blacktop. And that is Los Angeles. That's a great and point. It, 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 I mean, it rained a few times when I was in LA. A handful of times. Yeah, I saw it rain once when I was traveling out there for the yeah. for the show. I remember you were actually there for one of those, which was weird because I remember you coming in. I think when it was raining, and that was strange. Yes, like, wow, that's so right. Weird. Yeah, it's never. It never was like when people. I remember seeing mom. She would bring me to Dulles or whatever after I'd come and visit her when I lived in California, and she'd be like, "Did you check the weather?" I'm like, "We're not going to have any problems in right. California." Mom. I'm like, <laughs> it's not going to be an issue. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. So, but I, I want to ask you a question about winter because I've always felt bad for you because of the the, pro, the proximity of your birthday, December 6th, mm. to your, to Christmas. Yeah. And I'm wondering how you dealt with that and, and how you do deal with that. Did you ever consider asking if you could just punt until June or something, you know, I, I feel like you're the kind of guy that manages resources in such a way as a kid, like I was, where I'd be like, I need to get this day somewhere else. Like, can I just, we can celebrate my birthday and do a dinner and have a celebration, but can I get the presents in the spring? <laughs> That's a and really good Christmas. point. I don't think I would have done even, something like that. This you way you could dole it out, right? Yeah. You were kind of robbed a little bit. You know what? I feel, I always felt like December 6th, three weeks away from Christmas, right? I always felt like it was just far enough away. Like if it was any closer, I might've got robbed. Also, I have to give, you know, I like to bust on mom and dad and I will shortly, but I have to give a tip of the hat, not only to mom and dad, but the entire family because they never robbed me. I always got Christmas presents and birthday presents. Now, I might've gotten extra presents on Christmas because Aunt Joni and Aunt Carla and Grandma and Grandpa and so forth, they would just wait till Christmas Day to give me my birthday presents too. But there was always something extra. It was never even like, even when like Aunt Joni bought me my bike, like my first real BMX bike, I got mm. a Mongoose, right? Californian. Even when she gave me that, I got a birthday present too. Like it was never trying to get by by lumping them together. So I have to give a tip, uh, I have to doff my cap for that. But also the thing is, I think 
I see the value in what you're saying because let's say this way you could like in six month intervals, you could decide what you want here and then you could decide what you want there. But I think I was always so true and loyal to the things I wanted that it lasted the whole year. Like sure. I remember like December 26th, like plotting like what Star Wars stuff I was going to get the next Christmas. Yeah. And that I didn't change. That right. You know? So it was okay. Like I could wait that long. And again, like we could fill in the gaps of like a $20 gift here, you know, report card, Easter basket, grandma and grandpa. Yeah. The Easter basket in. was nice, right? Like you get yeah. a figure or two in the Easter that basket. That was a huge tradition for us that Helena always thought was really weird. Like that's yeah, an I opportunity think- to get one big thing, you know, yeah, get your that candy. Was, I remember that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get your candy and your, and your, you know, your knickknacks and stuff, but your chocolate bunnies and jelly beans and all that. But you get the one big thing. Like I think I got, I think that's how I got Optimus Prime when I was little, which was like a $20 gift. So there was always that big thing that they, that, that was one thing mom and dad did. They said you could get like a, you know, a decent toy or something in your Easter basket. But yeah, that's a great point, man. But no, I never felt like, I never felt like it was a big, a big issue because the family was so, everybody was so nice. I don't know what the hell happened to everybody, but they used to yeah. be nice. Yeah. They, they right. were nice at one point. What about <laughs> snow, like snowplay? Like, how important was that to you generally? I mean, we, we, we told the, the tie fighter story that, and all the rest and, and obviously everyone had snowball fights and stuff, but I, I really do take to winter weather. I love the winter Olympics. I, I obviously have an affinity for winter sports. Fall is more attached to football. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm wondering how important that whole, that whole winter wonderland kind of nature is not in the beauty of it, which is beautiful, but in the potential of it to, be crazy right because I, I think about like snowfall especially in, when i was in high school we got a ton of snow a couple of years and even as 10th and 11th graders we were out there dicking around and i, I think i've told the story of like we built a huge snowman in the middle of the road and then the the, the bus drivers the bus just ran over it like, <laughs> like never forget it as long as That's i live I, awesome. I, and like so i have and i have funny memories of my girlfriend megan my high school girlfriend coming to visit me like her mom would drop her off and she would hang out with us. And I remember just nailing her mom's car with like snowballs when she was leaving. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> so weird to like make her laugh or whatever. I'm sure they loved me. The snowball so, cars thing, man. That's so, I feel like I got karmically repaid for that. Because when you're a kid, even when you're a teenager, you're so out of your mind. You're not thinking, and we've talked about this before. You're not, sure. as a 16 year old, you're not thinking property damage. You know, you're just thinking like, how could I have fun and possibly get chased, but not hurt or cat or caught, you know? And in fact, I'll tell, I'll tell a crazy story. I remember, I don't think I've ever told anybody this before. <laughs> this is, this is how crazy we, we were as kids and you're not thinking. John and I were walking. Now you remember Kyle in Medford. Do you remember that neighborhood Le Bon V? Yeah. Yeah. I knew people right? lived in there. And, yeah. John's yeah, lived grandparents there. lived in there for a while and we would visit. And we, I think his parents would just drop us off there and we would just hang out. Certain kids lived in the neighborhood. We were probably like young teenagers, 13, 14 years old, walking around Le Bon V. But it was exciting because in our neighborhood, you couldn't walk to anything. There were no stores around until they built that mall, until they built Sunshine Mall. But in Le Bon V, you could walk up to like 7-Eleven and stuff like that. So it was kind of like an adventure for us. So we go up to 7-Eleven, visiting his grandparents, go up to 7-Eleven. We grab a couple of Slurpees or Big Gulps or whatever. And we're, that's over by Brookhaven Hospital, right? For those of you that know Long Island. We're going back to Le Bon V and we're walking along the sidewalk over an overpass. Now, this overpass goes over Sunrise Highway, which is a big 
you know, two lane on each side highway, very well traversed, very busy still to this day. And we decided we're going to just throw our Slurpees off onto the cars going 70 miles an hour under the overpass, right? Just, it was not even like, it wasn't even planned. It was just like, oh, that would be fun. And we both, boop, just chuck them over the thing. Well, a couple of minutes pass. Fucking car comes fucking 90 miles an hour up the service road. <laughs> skids to a halt, right? We're like, oh shit. Now, by the time this car stopped, you know, sort of chirping its tires, you know, stops in the middle of the road, right? There's, you can't stop there. There's no shoulder or anything like that. We're on the sidewalk. I think by the time that that, that car was done to a screeching halt, we realized what that was. Mortified. By the time I could even get my druthers, the guy's out of the car and he has his fucking hands around my throat. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Full grown dude, not a kid, right? And look over the fucking slurpy. <laughs> the fucking slurpy cup is in his, like on his windshield. Like this is there and it's just covered with red slurpy shit. <laughs> So what did you and do? I thought I thought the guy was going to kill me. I thought the guy was going to kill us. Now I don't know why he grabbed me and not John. I you know it was just luck of the draw, I guess. I saw the look in this guy's eyes. And I was like, I'm finished. You know, you just kind of give up. You're just like, I'm finished. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm done. Like, let's just hope this is as painless as possible. You know, he yelled and screamed at us, and I guess got you know sort of thought better of it and let let me go, and then got back in his car and took off once he you know sort of calmed down. But I was just like, you know, thinking back to that memory. I mean, we could have killed somebody. Yeah, you could have killed him. I mean, that was probably why he was upset. I mean, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like there just you just don't think about the consequences of these actions. I think Not about that all. all the time. I, I think about that, too. I never. It's so funny you say that, Dig. I don't know if I ever told the story of uh, a very kind of a similar story. When I play hockey, so people that don't know, that know Long Island Swan, like there's Swan Lake kind of Swan Pond little thing where in Patchogue, where a lot of people skate and all that kind of stuff during the winter. We used to skate and play hockey there all the time. And my friend Brian like th would th like th would not would, but did throw snowballs at cars as they would pass by. And one car stopped the dude. This really happened because my friend Brian lived on the pond like like so we just would walk out off his backyard into the pond or whatever when it was frozen. The guy stopped got on the ice and fist fought my friend brian and i never shit. told I, I don't know if i went into that i don't know if i ever told this on the show like straight up like grown man and like a 16 or 17 year old who's a pretty scrappy dude and as i remember it brian like kind of got the better of him then the dude like got back in his car and left and we were all kind of just standing there being like what the fuck we were all like in our like he was on foot we all had our skates on this was probably in 2000 maybe 2001 that's insane and it was like this crazy thing and like we couldn't believe it and like everyone was totally shook by it and it, it's so funny that because you, you bring up your story just reminded me of that in the sense that it's a winter story but this every there's a few times in my teen years where you veer into the adult world and you're not ready to be there no no and that was one of those situations where i was like i don't want any this seems like way above my pay grade <laughs> uh it's it's the same time like when i talked i talked about getting jumped by those older kids which were really like in probably in their 20s when I was yeah. in 12th grade with my friends like th that was another situation where I'm like I'm not in any way prepared to be in this situation at all like I'm a child I'm like I'm a I'm not saying that I mean I'm gonna sit there and take my my lumps I guess but, right and try to fight back but I'm not a bitch but uh 
Certainly not. No one ever called me a bitch in any of these situations. <laughs> I did get my shit. I did get beat up, but I did try. It's initiation. It's traumatizing, and you right. sort of thr- like with the Slurpee thing. You and and your friend too. Like you sort of thrust yourself into that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that that's the worst thing that could happen, and sometimes it does happen. And I remember, you know, in Brookhaven with Andy and Adam and every Charlie and everybody in the neighborhood, like doing the snowball thing because we had that backwoods. We could just gotta go back and forth from Andy's house to Beaver Dam Road. Which was like, you know, nobody was ever going to catch us, but the damage that you could do to cars, and that was revisited on me at least a couple of times in my adult life. There was one time I was I was uh, teaching a continuing ed animation class at UArts in Philly, just as a little side hustle. This is like ten years ago, and I would go back and forth to downtown Philly, you know, from the suburbs, and that, you know, weekly, one night a week. And when I was coming home, it was late. It was like eleven o'clock at night, and there's one specific spot, one night, random night snowy get over this thing boom my car just gets net i mean i wasn't expecting this like 11 30 at night it's kind of in the middle of nowhere and you're angry at first and then you're thinking like all right like it's like karma you know like i it has to get revisited on you i guess you know my car was dented and it was like you know you're aggravated but it's like shit that that's what you do when you're kids you're just not thinking about that because you don't know what it's like to you don't know the the cost it's going to be to bang that dent out, you know what I mean? Or have real life responsibilities where it's like, okay, now I got to account for this $500 damage to my car. So, you know, it's one of those things. So that just speaks to, you know, winter in general. But you know what the funny thing is? This is the fun, one of my funniest memories of winter. That's actually a little scary. And I wanted to see what your experience was with, uh, with this was, Kyle. So I remember being a kid. Now, I have to throw mom and dad under the bus a little bit. We had this giant drawer, like drawer in the hallway. It was like a giant piece of furniture. And in one of these drawers was all the winter gear, you know, knit hats and gloves and mittens and everything. It always seemed like it was just like a bunch of stuff from Salvation Army, first of all. It wasn't like, or really old. Like, why is all this stuff from the 50s in here? Like, this isn't going to be warm. I totally know what you're talking about. Right? Or like hand knit, you know. Nine, and, nothing, and half the things didn't have like their matching gloves exactly. or whatever. Nine yeah, out of 10 yeah. things didn't have a match. Like it was like, great. Can we just break down and buy some new shit? But whatever. That's just the stuff we had. <laughs> and probably wore the same stuff from like I was four to like I was 10. Right. So, and we would go in this, you know, this crappy gear out in the snow. All I wanted was a pair of Freezy Freakies, mom and dad. Like you couldn't buy, you know, break down for the $14 Freezy Freakies. But anyway, we'd go outside and, you know, playing in the winter, these were like protracted play sessions you know like you you go out in the snow you're out there for hours maybe you're out there from like nine to lunch and then you break for lunch and then you're out there again till dinner time so you're talking about three four hours at a time flirting with frostbite like you can't believe i have (laughs) i was probably on the on the verge on the very on the razor's edge of losing a finger hundreds of times (laughs) hundreds (laughs) like i would come in i would be in so much pain now part of it was my fault because i just stayed out there too long you know if the gear wasn't sufficient should have probably came in a little earlier like i remember like clutching my hand like running in under lukewarm water like so many times for every time i would go outside it would be that way that's not normal you know when you're an adult then you realize like i almost had frostbite or i had frostbite yeah it's like just that you thought it was just the penalty you paid i just thought right. that was normal Right. You know what I mean? But that's hysterical. But here's the thing about mom and dad that you now you may have missed this. You may have lucked out in this regard. 
they would do this thing. Now, dad worked as a side job. Dad was a produce manager for Wolbaum's supermarket before I think he got on the job with the fire department. But even after he started working for the FDNY, he had a side job in the produce department in the supermarket, like Northport Wolbaum's or whatever. And he would bring home, you know, he would glom stuff. That was dad's thing. You know, we had like, like Hollywood's, like, you know, the, the tables that people bring out apples with and stock the shelves. We had like tubs like they use for like the collard greens and stuff. We had all this shit. I, don't, I just picture dad leaving with this stuff. This is not like yeah, stuff you could put in your trunk. This is like stuff you would need like a U-Haul for. Yeah, it's, it's hysterical. I don't right? know where, I don't, like, I just wish I could have just re- know what dad was doing for 30 U-boats. years. U-boats. Like whatever, it's like dad. You took the U boat. Like they, the supermarket probably has eight U boats. They're gonna, they're gonna know the U boat's missing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where's the fucking U boat? But he had countless. You'll remember this. He had countless rolls of produce bags. You know the plastic bags that you he put still your uses in. the same ones. Do you know? Yeah, that? because he had yeah. twenty two rolls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like still using them. They're like, I'm, I'm like, dad. The plastic is probably so decayed on this. Like you can't, can't be, be putting for food anything. into this. This is from 1986. <laughs> At least he's using them. You know, no, if you're I, knock them I know exactly. Dude, he once brought home for me, you know, like how like there would be those huge aisle ending boxes and it would be like just walnuts or like bags of shit that would yeah, just Yeah, 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 of just, course. He brought just those, that huge box of like wall, that walnut <laughs> box home just so I can throw toys in it downstairs in the basement. I don't even remember that. So it was just like a display. <laughs> It was like a store display in our basement, but it just had a bunch of shit in it. That was just like, that was that solution for our toys, like a toy box. And you could see dad like just kind of stamping his, you know, like, ah, they don't need this anymore. Like they probably just went out on the floor. Like it was part of the display. <laughs> just going to grab that. He had, he had I'll all tell sorts a of, brief dad yeah. story before yeah, I get to my point. Please. This is about glomming stuff from the supermarket. And I hope the statute of limitations has passed on this dad or they're coming for you. But he brought home once, this was the coolest thing, this giant inflatable tomato. Now, dude, this thing, I'm telling you right now, must have been for like the top of the exterior of the store. Like, there was no business for this thing being so big. Think of a beach ball, but just like eight feet tall. I remember running, <laughs> literally running and jumping on the top of it and just like this, just slowly going around. <laughs> like you could have got hurt. <laughs> It was so funny, but the point being, those produce bags, this was mom and dad's move, right? Put the They would take the produce bags, one for each foot, rubber band around the ankle, then put the snow boot on, right? Your foot would, like you, you took two steps outside and your foot would go <laughs> right through the bag. The fucking produce bag. I mean, what was there was no point. They were mom and dad are out of their mind. I mean, the more you think about the more you really think about it, the more you just realize like these people were totally out of their minds. So now you had a, a rubber band hermetically sealing your ankle with your frostbit yeah. frostbit foot. Yeah, it's probably like a it's probably like a rubber band that's like way too small for you too. Like one of dad's rubber bands you stole from that are like around some yeah, sort way of too like tight, asparagus like or something like that are supposed to be like exactly. wrapped around the asparagus, asparagus ones. <laughs> and your foot's hanging out of the bag there's no bag the bag's all bunched up on your heel now your toes went through it you know eight, three hours ago oh my god dude so funny uh, but, i'm so glad you brought up the drawer because i just remember that oh by the god. the front and you would open it and just hope for the best like you didn't know it and i remember certain items 
like there was a ra- there were like rainbow gloves and a rainbow beanie i remember i really liked a lot and that was like very 70s and and i remember just like being in even like the snow pants and stuff and i'm like these are just you're know, like they're like high water <laughs> snow pants <laughs> <laughs> oh man anything like- that wasn't knitted in there was like gold like anything that was just like a normal glove or mitten like you know like yeah there was like there was like a random north face glove in there you were like all over like the first person to (laughs) get that bad boy if it was waterproof forget it like oh my god like that's amazing but oh my god so funny such funny and i remember i remember also having a i remember do clearly having like a glove on my left hand that i would allow me to throw snowballs like so even if i always had like a different glove on my right hand i'd always have a left hand like that was just like the the glove, like the tight knit glove that would go over your hand, yes. so I could seal the ball and like throw Great it right. Point. Yeah. Oh, that was good thinking. I don't think. I, yeah, like trying to make snowballs with mittens, like the mitt, yeah, yeah. you know, the knit mittens. Your hands. Yeah, are I would definitely. I, I hated mittens. Like I, I should say that I fucking hate mittens. I hate them. What so is bad. the point of a mitten? <laughs> when, what like, is you honestly can have the a point? Glo- I don't know. Keep your fingers. I really together? think the point is that or it's what? easier to manufacture. I think that that's the entire point. Oh. It's like, oh, we just have to make a fucking little place like generally for your hand that's a good point and like, like kind of one mitt. size fits all it's a glorified ish. oven mitt that's all it is <laughs> i'm surprised they didn't send us out with the oven mitts oh my god i'm sure you probably were sent out with the oven mitt you just don't remember oh my god so funny dude all right Dave. well winter emerges into spring so let's talk about that next i i, I have a lot of fun memories about spring but i'm curious what comes to mind for you you know what i thought about this right Spring, the first thing I think about being a kid is coming out of winter into spring and that very real feeling. I see it with my kids. I see it with kids in the neighborhood, my kids' friends, their cousins, that whole spring fever thing. Very real. Even as a kid, you realized what you were going through. You're coming out of the doldrums of winter. The weather's starting to get nice. You got that smell in the air. The flowers are blooming. The birds are back chirping. It's getting a bit warmer. And it's kind of the harbinger of summer, right? You, you got summer, it's, it's forecasting summer. You got that foreshadowing. So that's the first thing I think about is that excitement. Probably the biggest excitement coming out of one season to the other was spring. I mean, maybe you could make an argument for spring into summer too, because school's out. We'll get there. But winter into spring was always a great feeling for me. You know, that war- warmth, baseball, especially during Little League or just playing stickball with your friends, that whole thing. There was always one event for us growing up, very nostalgic about this, that sort of was like the singular event that kicked off the spring officially every single year as a kid, and that was Easter. And it always seemed like for as bad and severe as the winters seemed as a kid, the springs always felt like proper, you know, in like a lion, out like a lamb type, you know, you could set your watch to it. It was going to be warm by the 1st of April. It was going to be warm. It was going to feel a lot different than it had been the last few months. And coming into Easter was always the big thing. It was always, Easter was always an event. Second oh. only to... Oh. <laughs> damn it. Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> I deserve that one. I deserve that one. But you, besides Easter? Christmas... Yeah, Easter was, and I think that was why Easter was always a favorite of mine because it was always a huge thing. We would go to church, get dressed in nice clothes. It was always a big thing. Like talk about lack of winter gear, but like mom and dad would spring for the new Easter outfits every year, go to church, and then usually 
we had Easter out in Nassau County at Grandma's, and then Aunt Carla and Uncle Mike took over Easter officially when we go to their house. So it was always a big event. Go to church, get dressed in your nice clothes. We would stop out. I don't know if you remember this, Carl. We would stop out at the cemetery in Nassau, in Old Westbury, I guess that is, and we would visit the graves of Gramps, Grandma Marie, and then eventually Granny, of course, who passed away. And it was always a big tradition to go. It was, I, I always remember that being really nice, beautiful flowers, a nice drive out to Nassau County. We had you know, the dyed Easter eggs that we always dyed for the people who had passed, our family members who had passed. And we would put the dyed Easter egg on there. Maybe we would bring flowers too, I don't remember. And we would put the Easter egg on their gravesite. And that was always a big tradition before we went off to do what we were going to do, eat and have Easter egg hunts at Uncle Mike's or whatever. We would do that. And then I think in there too was always that sort of butterfly belly feeling of having to go to Poppy's house first for a little while, which was of course our paternal grandfather. And you know the side of the family that we were less close to. And one of the only events that we would see, I don't even know that we would always see Poppy for Christmas. So Easter was always the thing where we would go see Poppy, sometimes go to his bar you know, he he owned a bar out in Seaford, I guess it was. And, you know, he had the catering company. So we would go see Poppy, whether it was in Seaford or at his house. And, you know, that was always the big thing that always that day, as busy as it was, that always seemed to be the one that kicked off the spring for me. You know, that was always like, okay, that marks the beginning of spring. And from here on in, you know, it's everything that we're going to do in the springtime until the inception of the summertime. So what about for you? You know, broad strokes, I have so much to say about the spring. It is probably my favorite season, maybe tied for my favorite season. But what about for you for spring, for growing up? What are your uh, overarching memories? Yeah, to me, spring is about reemergence. I have to say, in some ways, spring is the most deeply nostalgic for me because I have a lot of particularly early memories of spring, school-related memories of spring, and a lot of memories of mom during the spring. I, I feel like mom might have left dad on the, on the verge of spring as well and i kind I of remember right. that and so i had i was telling michael we, we walk around in the neighborhood with rush a few times a day and these plants are starting to come in around some people's houses that i i just have immediate nostalgic springtime memories of and this flower the particular two flowers i don't know the name of one of them but i know that one of them is the azalea flower like the azalea bush and we had those in front of our house and and they were all over Long Island and, and they're a pretty common American breed. Uh, I don't know if they're in other places, but just an American house, like in front of American houses, landscaping. Definitely. And what I remember clear as day is that the white ones, I believe, would come in last. And so it would start with like the purple ones and then the pink ones and then the red ones and then the white ones. And I kind of track the passage of time as a young kid by watching these grow and, and then predicting that they would come in as spring rolled in and I just have really specific memories of that as well as, you know, those green bushy or green leafy plants with like the white edges on the leaves. And then they sprout up and they have the purple flowers coming off of. Sure. Yeah. Sprouts. Of we had them up and down our driveway. I don't know what those are. Oh, I should know this. That Those were up and down a lot of people's driveways. I think they were just popular in the eighties. And there are a few of those people have them in my neighborhood as well. And I'm like, this just reminds me of the coming of spring. It's a, these, these plants are weird nostalgic touchstones to remembering the emergence out of winter and of course easter is a big one but i was wondering 
if you had could relate to a couple of the school memories I had in this regard too, because when I think of spring and I think of early school experiences, I think of a few things, particularly being able to really play during recess again, like April, like March, April. Remember like when you would be like, you'd have to wear a coat and they would make you wear a coat. And then there became a, t- a time where you didn't have to wear a coat anymore and you didn't have to wear a jacket and they weren't busting balls about that. And it was, you were coming out March, April, May at school for that. And then I was also thinking about, remember all the experiments we would do as kids, like the very basic understanding of plants and everything. And you'd plant like a lima bean in, oh, nice. in a cup and then put it in the window in springtime and watch it sprout or whatever. I remember that. And I, the big one I, I was going to bring up is like field day. That oh, was like a God. big spring event. That was like the coming that that more is like the coming of summer in some yeah. way, because that was like the last hurrah. But I feel like I, I and I've been going through a lot of papers recently because I have finally unified my entire life here in my house in Virginia, where I have like all the disparate parts, like what the shit that was at dad's, the shit without me in California, my college stuff, like everything's together now. So I'm trying to like slowly whittle through everything. And I found a bunch of those field day, you know, you'd get like the little certificate or oh, not certificate, no like, way little, you have little banner things. And <gasps> that's cool. And they're all dated like 1990, 1991. Dude, it was pretty cool. It's amazing so, that you have those. Yeah. So can you like, what about those memories of school specifically? I, for some reason, my mind goes to school with spring in a major way. Absolutely. Especially because I remember, you know, being, I love the recess thing because being in the wintertime, I remember specific instances where, and I see this with my kids too, like they want the kids to get outside, just get some of that energy out. Even in the wintertime, of course, like mandatory coats. But then I remember like specific instances where it was like, okay, you could go outside. It's going to be a shorter period and you could go on the swings, but you're not allowed beyond that point. You know, so it was just going outside and like, it was like walking around the prison yard. Like there was almost nothing to do. It was like eight swings and 80 kids. So you just (laughs) mill about. They just wanted you to get fresh air or whatever, you know, that whole thing. So when you roll into spring, you had official you know, playground time again, which is a great point. I, I totally remember that. And I remember the excitement. I remember kids specifically in fourth and fifth grade, it was like letting out the floodgates. Like I remember eating in the cafeteria and then straight from the cafeteria going out for recess and those doors opening and the kids running out and literally like you had to line your lunchbox up along the wall outside. And I remember kids just flinging their metal lunch boxes and them rolling and hitting the brick wall like just like not even stopping to put your lunchbox down just chucking them and like the the cacophony of like what that sounded like and looked like it was so cool and then also like what you said too about not only with well field day i agree that was like the official stamp that school was over and that summertime was coming and that so that was that marked field day was actually an important sort of bookends because it marked really the feeling of the end of spring anyway. So I remember like the competitions, being outside, being really hot, no drinks, like they only served watermelon. So you're like you're sucking on these watermelon pieces. <laughs> and you like know, orange so pieces or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny that you brought up field day because it's such a big part of it. You know what I yeah. mean? It's such a big part of it. I, I'm so impressed that you still have those, those ribbons. I would get so frustrated at field day. Field day was almost like especially when I was younger, like it was almost like gym class taken to the next level. Like in gym's, gym class, there was always that embarrassment of being picked like in the second percentile of kids, like in the bottom 50%, you know, for football, for volleyball, for dodgeball, whatever. And then field day, I always felt like, especially as an elementary school kid, 
Like I wanted to like prove that I was like fast or I wanted to right, right, prove right. that I had good aim or whatever it was. And like I would always do really, really bad. And I don't know if it's because I, I was putting too much pressure on myself or I was really <laughs> bad at those things. You but were, it would just take my embarrassment to the next level. You had the yips. <laughs> but it's so it's so funny, dude. But I love, you know, I love the point of the spring associated with school and sort of my heart goes out to the teachers because once the kids get a taste of like, you know, you see that green grass, you see those flowers growing, you see the, you hear the birds chirp in the blue skies, no more snow, warmth on your skin. It's like kids are like chomping at the bit for summertime then. And that was a really cool memory too of like planting things in your science class, mm-hmm. like your little mini hot houses or terrariums. And yeah, you, it was growing cool. your string beans. Like that was yeah. such a big part of like elementary school when the weather was getting warm. Yeah, Super I remember tra- trying to transplant that stuff to like our garden, you know, and <laughs> obviously it didn't go very well. But yeah, field day. Now, I want to ask you a, a little bit more about field day. Do, do your kids, is field day still a thing that people do? Still a thing. Still cool. an end of the year thing. They had it, you know, obviously two years ago, they didn't have it because of COVID. This year, they had it again, and we weren't allowed to go watch, which was kind of a drag. And in el- my kids' elementary school, K through six, they just do this. They do a weird, a weird formula. We didn't quite do it like this. They do a maroon team and a white team, right? And then every so half the kids are on white, half the kids are on maroon. And then within those two teams, there's little pockets of kids. I guess specific to your class, your actual class, and you compete. So the fourth grade white team will compete against the fourth grade maroon team. And then they'll pull all the results of the tug of war and the 40-yard dash and all the events. And then there'll be one overarching winner, either maroon or white, right? And my kids have almost always been maroon, both of them. And Graydon's got two more years, but he's well. And white almost always wins, which is really strange. I'm starting to think the kids think it's rigged. I'm starting to think it's maybe a little rigged as well. But I thought that was an interesting way to do it because – and it, I think it speaks to, I think that kind of system speaks to the, just the way it is today. Like everybody wins or everybody loses type of mentality where it's like, it's less strenuous on the kid's ego, I guess. Like there's a much better per- percentage of a chance that you're going to win because you have a 50% chance of winning if just your specific color team wins. Right. You know, which we'll is very that. specific to yeah. the, the psychology of education today, I guess. You know, yeah, where in the seventies we felt like, in the eighties, we felt like we sucked. And we did. And we felt like it and we had to live with it. Yeah. Know? I mean, I mean that, that, was, that you was, were good at. Yeah, that was, I mean, I can imagine if you were like an obese child in the 80s or, man, field day was, you probably weren't yeah, looking forward dude. to field day at all, man. Good it probably point. was a, a really conflicting thing with wanting to get out of school, but knowing that the last indignity of getting out of school was going to be you <laughs> in a fucking wheelbarrow race that everyone's <laughs> going to remember forever. That's perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be marked. One other thing I wanted to ask you, Dig, and I think you can relate to this as a skateboarder. I know I can certainly relate to this is the boundary in which like winter is moving into spring and you're so anxious to get out and play specific things. And I always remember the early wiffle ball games when the ground was still like too wet. It's still like a little too cold. You know, you're hitting like a ball into a tree and like all the leaves are like still falling out of it because like it's it's not budding yet and it hadn't lost all of its trees and you hit a ball into the woods and the woods is all gross. And I, I just remember that and I remember specifically playing roller hockey, which was like our outlet when we weren't on the ice. 
and pushing that to the very limit. Like, especially in Maine, because it snowed so much that there was just sand and salt everywhere. And there would be like a, a big tradition of just a day or two when all these machines would come and just clean all the streets and clean all the parking lots up and stuff like that. Oh, wow. But you'd cool. still want to. So we lived across the street from a church in York, Maine, and we used to play hockey in the parking lot and they didn't care. They were really nice. It was like a Presbyterian church. But I remember us like slipping and slot like because like it was so much sand and so much salt. We just couldn't wait. And then us getting like brooms and trying to like broom it off and realizing like it's such it's so huge. Like and then and you just have to kind of be patient and wait for the the road, like the little road cleaner to come along at some point. Wow. So I remember those memories, too. Like, so th- this this feeling of angst, like, come on, I'm ready. Like, we, we want to play hockey. Like, Let's we've been. Go. Yeah. And like, so we'll just play what and I, I just the sound like the first crack of the bat with wiffle ball, the, the sound of the ball, like all that you're just you're so anxious for it because you've been really not you, maybe you're shooting some hoops or but you can't really do much until yeah, spring. So that's true. Do you relate to that with skating, like trying to push it to the edge where you would, you know, it's like, all right, it's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> go. With skating, definitely. And when I was young, baseball perfectly said because you really couldn't do it indoors even in gym class right you couldn't really have a proper even a wiffle ball game you can't really do that indoors and same for football growing up playing tackle or touch football was the same thing skating when i got a little older that started in 87 so i was like 13 and you know what the big thing about the spring was that was frustrating though growing up on long island i guess in the whole northeast of the united states was the rain that came along with the spring that was the one downside to the spring, especially with skateboarding, because we would look, we, you know, we would go through school the whole week. And then PJ and I, whoever, Adam, whoever I was skating with at the time, the kids in Sayville, like we, P, you know, obviously PJ was a huge part of that. We would meet up after that grueling five day school week. And then Saturday morning, we, 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 all right, we're hopping on the bus. We're going to Stony Brook for the day, hit the mall on the way back, whatever. Skate. And that was like really exotic to us, like go to the center of the island. Like that was a big deal for us as kids. And, you know, wake up on Saturday morning or break your heart because it'll be raining. You know, sometimes you right. even push it. You know, you're just like, let's just hope it stops by the time we get there. It's an hour and 10 minute bus ride or whatever. So I remember the rain being like, that was always sort of a bummer in the springtime because you're chomping at the bit to get out there and do the things you haven't done all winter. And, you know, the rain was always an impediment for that. You know what the one thing I wanted to ask you about? We talked about Easter, right? How important it was in the family, the cool Easter basket baskets get the one big gift all that kind of stuff seeing the family uncle mike put on some epic easter egg hunts you know yeah definitely older. super Loved fun it. but one thing i thought about with easter that was re- that's really funny memory for me and i don't know why i never worked through this in my head i just kind of left it alone is the easter bunny and the fact of i think i had this conversation with helene not too long ago but how did you of course, we have the Easter Bunny, the way he's portrayed in fiction and cartoons and storybooks and all that kind of stuff. So, but what what did you picture the Easter Bunny? Did you picture this sort of human-like, anthropomorphic, Bugs Bunny-like creature, or did you picture like an actual bunny rabbit? No, I, I no, I, that's an interesting question. I I, pre- I always saw like the anthropomorphic character. Yeah, me too. You know, just seeing like that cartoon, you know, walking on two legs, that more like Roger Rabbit type thing. But then then I think I was, it might have been Helene who was saying like, no, she always envisioned it as like this proper magical rabbit. Looks altogether common and typical, but 
has the, you know, I'm like, how do you reason that out? How does it hold the basket? Like what, how do you even, does it speak? You know, how, so that's one I feel like Santa Claus is so well realized, right? Like everybody kind of agrees on the image of Santa Claus. And sometimes he looks a little more folksy, but sometimes he looks a little more cartoonish. But all in all, Santa Claus in fiction, popular fiction is kind of iconic. The Easter Bunny, I feel like we haven't gotten through that. I feel like we need to determine what this thing is. It really really disturbs me. Helene's version really disturbs me. Like the actual bunny that would just blend in with the rabbits outside type thing. But, you know, maybe he's a little bit bigger. Maybe he talks. It's it's almost like Redwall or something. It is a little little creepy. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I haven't really gotten through that. It's interesting because I've also never really given much thought to the Easter Bunny because you're so bombarded as a child with just nonsense from adults that it's like, oh, this man comes and rides reindeer and through the air and brings you gifts. (laughs) And there's a, well, apparently a woman that comes in your bedroom and takes your teeth and gives you money for them. Exactly. And then, and then you get down the list and they're like, oh, there's an, a bunny that comes in and gives you candy and eggs. (laughs) And at that point, you're so exhausted as a child, right? You're like, fine, that's fine. Like I've never even given it any thought beyond that, you know? (laughs) Because I'm so hung up on all of the other things. It's so like, we're funny. All, we're so we're so centered on Santa Claus and dispelling Santa Claus and what what, what the age is that that happens and stuff <laughs> that it's like at some point that you just don't believe in the Easter Bunny anymore. But you never really think about when that happens because the adults are just feeding you so many lies as a kid that that doesn't seem extraordinary. I mean, you're telling me that a woman comes into my room and lifts up my pillow while I'm sleeping and then puts money underneath it. That's the weirdest one. That's definitely the weirdest one. Tooth Fairy is weird. Then you got the leprechauns on, you know, on uh, St. Patty's Day. There's a lot to deal with as a kid. I say we make a new one for Thanksgiving. We do a turkey character. I don't know what we name him. Maybe he's just a regular type of turkey. And he sacrifices himself every year so that you may enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. Really like more. Like really Ka- Like Hari Kari, you know, like <laughs> takes out his shorter sword of his samurai swords and <laughs> cuts himself in like a Z fashion. Let's just bring Did it all the way. Himself. Let's really terrify the kids. Yeah, you know? I, because the, the leprechaun, like we haven't even matured the leprechaun idea in I don't think American society with that, because I remember even having a, that conversation with mom as a kid being like, all right, so these things are the, they're the this is just another lie, right? Because I'm like, these are the oh, things yeah. that they're rainbows and at the end of the rainbow is the gold. So I'm like, can we go to the end of the rainbow? I remember having this conversation with mom and be like, well, you never can find or we don't know. And I'm like, so what? What? <laughs> like, there's just all of this mysticism, this childlike mysticism. I'm like, why can't you just, why can't anyone just tell me the truth? You know, I don't understand what's going on with, I, I can't wait to have kids of my own, which I think I'm confident that I probably will now because I, I think I found the right woman for me. But oh, that's awesome. Where I'm like, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to fuck with these kids like beyond belief. <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine the lies that I'm going to tell these kids. Just experiment. Just, oh my God. I'm going to, the stories that I'm going to weave the, about the things that are going on in the world are going to be. Just awesome. let them think those things for a little while. I think it's funny, you know. I Why not? Especially because kids like kind of wipe most of their slate at some point and yeah, enter like adolescence, and then that's kind of when you really start remembering things. And so, like, yeah, when you're a little kid, it's like kind of fun, of, kind of kind of funny to like lie to you, you know, and fuck <laughs> with you. You have no idea what's going on. You have no scope of understanding anything. You don't understand money. You don't understand property. You don't understand law. No. You don't. Under- no. You have no idea what's going on. Nothing. None. And I Nothing. think you're right. I think it's just due to exhaustion that you give up as a kid thinking about that. It's like if you really tried to think through what the tooth fairy was when you were a kid, 
you know, you would probably drive yourself insane or horrify yourself. So at a certain point, you had to just cut it off. Like you just like, okay, I'm going to get this dollar under my pillow. Right. Let's just concentrate on that aspect. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Like don't don't concentrate further. on why you never catch them. Don't concentrate on anything <laughs> like that. And it's true. It's just like, it's like being with like, in, a, in like, a, like with a woman who just lies to you all the time. Right. And it's like, they just keep lying. And then you're like, but wait, you just said to, and you, and you don't even remember the lie before it just becomes solidified truth. And that's what being a child is like in, it really in American is. society. I think it's I think it's hilarious. We may right, that okay. Well, maybe Wait. not. Well, I don't know. I'll leave that up to everyone else. <laughs> Dave, let's talk about the summer. Spring leads All into right. the summer. What are your thoughts on this season? I feel like this season to me is the most complicated. Actually, I'm wondering emotionally. I would say what what about summer is appealing to you or nostalgic to you? Well, you know, you. Uh, what do you think of first? You know, as a kid, this is your period off. This is your freedom. two months <laughs> free freedom. <laughs> it's a yeah. I mean, this is you know that period, that two months, that little chunk of the year that you get to not be in school. You know, I think of it. I thought of it when I was writing my notes. Right when you're a kid, what the summer is basically, it's back to back to back. Saturdays for two months. That's what it is. You know, it's two months worth of Saturdays. I don't include Sundays in that because Sundays, we know Sundays. Sundays, you have the anticipation of the week ahead. So, or the school week ahead or work week ahead, regardless of where you are in life. So, not Sundays, but Saturdays. That's what the summertime felt like to me. And there was always a sense for me of the timeline, you know, making sure to savor every minute, every moment counts. Almost again, like that, that sort of image of flipping that hourglass upside down, here comes the sand through. It's like, all right, we got two months. Like we got to squeeze everything in. Very Calvin and Hobbes-esque, right? Like we got to make every day count until we go back to school in September. So it's really that, you know, you're on the clock. That, that clock is counting down to September and going back. And all the things that come along with it, be, you know, the warm weather, the swimming, being with your friends nonstop, seeing your family more, staying up later was a huge one because mom and dad were very strict with bedtimes growing up. I talk about that story of going to bed way before like my friend's younger siblings and hearing them play outside, hearing the four-year-olds play outside when I was eight. Yeah, it's too early. Too, too early. Too crazy. So that was the thing. Like bedtimes, forget it. Especially like being out at grandma's or being at one of our aunt's house or having a party like 4th of July, like stay 4th of July. I have to say, Kyle, 4th of July was like the summertime New Year's Eve for us because mom and dad was, would almost always host it. They would almost always have the party at their house. A lot of people would come out, not just the usual suspects. We'd get like the odd aunts and uncles that we very rarely right. saw, right? Huge epic event. And that's how you knew as a kid that the the party was important when it wasn't just the usual 12 people that was like, 32 people and it was like the people you saw every couple of years or maybe once a year and we would stay up late you know we would stay up past midnight that was the one big thing fourth of july and fourth of july i felt like was kind of important because it's really not in the middle of the summertime but it always felt like that was the first check-in like oh shit like how productive is this summer going like how much fun am i having like you know how much time do we have left that was always the first marker of like okay we got to we got to maximize this, you know, the good times of the summertime. 
So, and you know, you think of things like the ice cream man coming around, the ice cream man starting to come around, whether it was the pedestrian normal ice cream man or the Mr. Softy truck, which usually those guys are chomping at the bit to start making their bread, right? So they would usually start coming out in the, in the spring, we would see them make appearances on the weekends, but every day of the week, same time that would start in June. Sometime you'd see the ice cream man, you'd get that, you know, you'd have to get the treat ice cream candy sometimes toys you know wacky packages and like garbage pail kids and stuff that was a huge thing so those are the those are really for me the overarching memories of the summertime i have some there's some negatives too but what about you now what do you think about for the summertime you know where do you start with the summertime and where do you rank it are you one of those guys or gals that's like summertime is my top tier and that and everything else comes left you know next? i like winter and fall the best i think I like every I mean, really, because it's like you said, like, it's hard to pick. Like, I like every season for a specific reason. I think summer, like we said, it, it represents freedom and also it represents possibility or represents change. What I really like about the summer as a kid was that it was the the end of a, an era for you at, in a grade. It could have been the end of you, your time at a school specifically, which is exciting and, and, and nerve wracking. And you're going into another one. So it was always like this you know, stay your sword kind of situation where like for just a few months, you are like, okay, that's what's coming up next. You know what I was talking to Micah about, which I was like, so excited about because I was when I was a kid, I was I was going through again, all these documents. And I was saying you're it's not like this anymore. I'm sure because I'm sure they have like online portals and you would know about this because you have two young kids. But I remember mid August coming around and you're now you're checking the mailbox for your schedule. Now you're checking the mailbox to see who your teacher is next yes. year. Yes. And you're getting phone calls about from your friends and they got theirs. And so you know yours is coming soon. And did you get, are you with them? Are you with them? And I was telling Micah specifically, and I think I've said on the show before, I had a first grade teacher, this um, like middle-aged black woman named Mrs. Rickenbacker. And she was awesome. Oh, I remember. And she, at the end of the year, she was saying that she was actually moving up to teach second grade. And so then the question was like, who is going to get Mrs. Rickenbacker? If, could we somehow get her again? And I got her again. I got her in second grade. And I remember a few of us were with her and we were just like so into her. She was so great. And I remember sitting on mom, mom, I think might still have it somewhere, but the, the blue love, love seat in, it's like the sky blue love seat we had in the living room and, yeah, and sure. opening that up and figuring out, oh, I have Miss Rickenbacker. I have Miss Bergoli who I had in third grade. So I remember that as well. And that feeling of anticipation and then kind of, things tapering off and labor day of course was kind of the representative of this is over now and that that era is over you had brought up the pool of course we grew up with an in-ground pool first an above ground pool in your era and then really in my childhood we had an in-ground pool and so that everything was central to that and i have a lot of fond faces of that too or fond i'm sorry fond memories of that too and i wrote here in my notes new faces and i wanted to bring this up too and you had kind of brought it up too with seeing people that you don't usually see. But what I also loved about the summer were, and I don't know if you can relate to this, it was kind of a time for you to experiment a little bit in the permutations of people you saw. You kind of had to make the effort now to see people. You weren't going to see them at school or at an event or a sport or whatever. So you had like your choice and who you were going to keep in touch with and who you were going to try to kind of like mature a relationship with. And it's a lot different now, I'm sure, with texting and, and all of that. But you, you having to kind of make call the house and figure out where people were and the disappointment of people not being around and being bored over the summer. There's just so many interesting memories of that. What do you think about that, about like the whole 
like kind of cobbling together different friends and seeing how things work outside of the realm of school. I, I remember that really well, like hanging out with people or seeing people that I otherwise maybe wouldn't have made the effort to see because I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a really great point. Like when you're in the school year, you know, when you're in the throes of the school year during most of the year, it's already kind of decided who you're going to be around. You know, that's already being dictated just by what you're going through, just by your routine, going to school, going to after school activities, little league, whatever it is, you're around those people by default. So in the summertime, you have, as a kid, you have that freedom to pursue people that you might not have seen. Maybe you had a friend that you weren't in class with for a couple of years, but you're, you know, you used to be in class together, used to be super close. Now you could see them more. They live in a different neighborhood. We certainly went through that with skateboarding was a great vehicle for that because when we got a little older, we would meet kids from other places just because they had a, that common interest. So we would meet you know, kids from all over Long Island that we would have never had the opportunity to really be around had it not been for that common pursuit, that common hobby. So that's a, great, that's a really great point. And I do remember going through that in the summer. Shout out to my friends, Jason and Eric, who I know listen to the show, who I grew up with from being a very little kid. And I was close with those guys from a very young age in elementary school. We were super close. And a couple other kids thrown into the mix too, my friend Danny and stuff like that. And then as we got older and there became more chance for us to not be in the same class when we got into intermediate school and then junior high, you know, those are the kids, you know, you, you're sort of, um, you want to be around each other. You haven't, and also you're curious, like, hey, how's your year been type thing? We haven't been in any classes together. So you have the summertime to do that. Plus those guys specifically lived in Brookhaven before we moved there. So we were in Medford, so we were miles away. So that was the opportunity to go, you know, where there was time to go play with them and it didn't have to be a weekend and stuff like that. I also love the thing you said, Kyle, about August. I never thought about it that way, but I still think about it this way now. It's like August, the month of August has that sort of Sunday quality to it. It's like still the weekend, but you're on the precipice of having to go back to, you know, some kind of routine that's less desirable, right? And August definitely is another thing. It's like another marker. It's like another check-in, like, all right, like our time's running out. Like, look at the wristwatch. Like we got three or four weeks left. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? And also with family vacations, you know, we were lucky enough to go to Disney a couple of times. And then mom and dad did those storied vacations up to Vermont. Right. Which were not, which were less desirable than going to Orlando. (laughs) But for the most part, you know, we were pretty, and then mom and dad went to Bermuda on their own once or twice, but besides, which was actually fun because we stayed with grandma and grandpa. But besides that, you know, we were pretty local. We stayed local on Long Island. I was lucky enough, especially in Medford in my younger years, we all had pools. Tommy had an in-ground pool, Matt, John, and myself and Dana's best friend Stacy all had and and actually my friend Stacy across the street we all had pools so it was like every day was like jumping from pool to pool that was a fun thing to do just run around you get bored in one pool you go now Tommy's pool was the most desirable cuz yeah was, i remember his pool being awesome it was in ground yeah. and it was fun you know it was the only pool that went to like 9 feet and stuff like that so that was a whole different ball of wax but that was always really fun and then also i think about the summertime call like It was unthinkable for me. This is why I get stressed out with my kids, especially my son sometimes, your nephew, because I was so compelled, 
even though I was a, I was a nerd, I loved my toys. I loved my cartoons. I loved, you know, watching star Wars, watching movies on cable. I was so compelled to wake up, have breakfast, maybe watch a quick half hour cartoon. And then I was out the door in summertime. Like I was so compelled to be outside in the weather and with my friends, like it was almost, even with the advent of like the NES, it was almost unthinkable for me to play video games in the daytime. That was reserved for the night. You know, the sun went down. I always had this thing like, do those fun things, watch an anime, pop on the NES, the Super Nintendo later on, whatever, but do that stuff at night. Well, like my son, Graydon has no area. Like he'll just play video, wake up and play video games. It's 90 degrees outside. The pool is calling. We could go do something. He just, he's he's not compelled like I was as a kid. Like I really had that drive to, you know, play outside. And maybe that came more from mom and dad. It was like, you know, you, you know, they probably instilled that in us early where it was like, get outside. You need to go do things, do be with your friends. And that was probably marked freedom for them too. I mean, mom, you know, stay at home, mom, four kids, busy. She has a, she has a, you know, a, grip of things to do. It's like, get outside and just go do your thing, have your freedom. So that was a big thing for me for the summertime was like just having those back-to-back days, not just two days at a time or not just a holiday, you know, like a Christmas holiday of having that prolonged period of time to really kind of like sow your oats. You know, you didn't have school, even even in elementary schools, you know, schools work. You know, you have to, you, you get into that routine, you get on the bus, you got to be there all day, you get off the bus, you come home, you got homework. Even at a young age, you have quizzes and you're learning things. And it's like that mental drain, it gets to be a grind. Even as a, even as a kid, I'm very empathetic with that. I remember what that feels like. Even if you enjoy school, which I definitely did. I had a good experience in, in school, in, in grade school. But that was the thing with summertime. It was like, you know, baking in the driveway, laying out you know, on your towel, on the asphalt after you get out of the pool, listening to the radio, like Duran Duran, like the sounds. And here's the other thing I wanted to tell you about summertime. Yeah. That I remember very, I remember this being a very pronounced thing for me as a kid. It was the only time I got to be around the older kids on the block, which were, you know, generally the older siblings of some of my friends or acquaintances on the block or in the neighborhood that I would say the kids that were like five to 10 years older than I was, there was a lot of mystique behind those older kids because I was too young to really be in their circle to get to know them. And then we'd have the odd experiences together. Like they would pop in the stickball game, you know, and they would hit the home run over Woodside Avenue. You know, it was like out of the neighborhood, over the houses, onto Woodside Avenue. Like, you know, when I was, if I think like me and this kid Robbie across the street, when I was nine, he was probably 16 or 17. You know, those are practically full grown adults at that age for you. And you're just so into what the, you know, you look up to them and you don't see them a lot. So you're always compelled by what are they doing? Now they're starting to drive cars. It was crazy. Or they would pop in for a snowball fight and just like completely obliterate you and your team, you know, type of thing we talked about earlier podcast. But that was the thing. Like I was so, I guess because I was the oldest, I was so compelled by the older kids on the block and older co- our older cousins too. I was so into like what they were into, what were, you know, how did they act? How did they interact with each other? 
how they behaved, their hobbies and stuff like that. I was always like really analyzing that because I think I was the oldest. So I didn't have that. I would, you know, when you're the oldest, you always kind of pine for someone older, you know, because you don't know how it feels to have an older sibling. I'd same, you know, same thing for the youngest. I'm sure that you, you, you wonder what it's like to be the oldest. So that was a big thing for me of being around those kids in the summertime and just trying to get a glimpse into their world. Like I remember that it was strange for me because I wasn't a nosy kid in general, but for some reason I was so into like the big kids and just trying to be, and I don't think I ever really got initiated into their circles or whatever. Like I'd be so psyched if they just hung out with me for like 10 minutes. But I do remember that being a big thing in the summertime of being like, what's, what's Robbie up to? What's Jimmy up to? You know, like what are those guys doing? Like Jimmy started picking up a guitar and like he was super into music and he was playing drums and stuff. I'd be like, so fascinated by those dudes. And I never got to see them during the school year, you know, because they were probably in a different school. You know, if I was in elementary school, they were in junior high, maybe even high school. So that was a big, that was always a big warm memory for me. Even though I got to say those kids weren't really that nice to me, (laughs) but just being so into it, you know, just being so into being an older kid. Everyone's desperate for that sort of, um, I don't know, that verification from, from someone older than you that you're okay. Yeah, you want to be, you want them, you want to feel like you're down. You know, it's almost like that right. gym class thing, but like even to the next degree, it's like, you know, come on, like I'm just pining for like an older, even my older cousin, Chris, like I didn't see him a lot. He was probably what, four years older than me. That was enough for me to look up to him, but he was in Connecticut. I didn't get to see him. So it was like, I, I just wanted somebody to take me under their wing. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, you, you did okay. The only other things I wanted to bring up about summer that I thought were pertinent were, first of all, the, the, the various games. Obviously, baseball itself has a massive part of my memories of summer, especially in my middle school and high school years and college when I was really into the Yankees and going to Yankee games and watching those games and playing outside and all of that. So I, I have a, I have to give a shout out to baseball. And of course, the, the games we've brought up in the past on the show, what I would consider like the barbecue block party type or cookout if you're southern we call them barbecues in the north you make fun of us but <laughs> the, the 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 whole constellation of games that come out when that when you start getting lots of groups together and and, and of course we've talked about manhunt slash ghost in the graveyard many times but Aww. that that game or games i don't even know what the really the difference between them were they they represent like that starry night summertime scary like people are starting to fall off you don't even know who's playing anymore kind of thing people just disappear and you don't know where you know you don't see them again for a year and sort of thing and so i wanted to give a shout out to that as well and i wanted to give a shout out we don't get usually into college on this show unless we're specifically going there but the most nostalgic summer of my life is probably 2005 i was going into my junior year and i just have a lot that was the last time i lived at home for a few months on long island and seeing my friends and having memories on the beach and on the dunes and at squasix oh it's so cool you know all that so i wanted to give a shout out to that as well and then to end things on a sadder note summer to me as a kid always represented change i think it represents that for a lot of people but there's a lot of pain in that change for me as as summer always represented that time where decisions needed to be made having divorced parents and understanding where you're going to be spending time because while I lived in New England from 1993 to 1990 1998 I spent all my summers vacations Christmas times all that on Long Island and so the summertime was like a time when I picked up my life and I left behind these friends that I had tenuous friends I had in Maine or New Hampshire and then I would reconnect with my friends on Long Island and I remember the pain of coming back to Long Island permanently in 1998 and realizing that 
the friends that I had had largely moved on. And so that sort of pain always kind of persisted in the summer. And I'm glad we brought up the contrast between July and August, because I think those two months in summer have very different complexions. July, like I love the Saturday, Sunday thing. I think it's perfect the way you put it. July is just a month where anything goes. Like July means nothing if you're a kid, because it's just you have nothing to worry about. When you're on the clock in August, then you truly are timed for the rest of your summer. So I wanted to bring those things up. And then the the last thing I wanted to ask you about, because it does sound like I'm, I am more like Raiden than you and that I like to be inside too, especially by the time I got into middle school and high school, I was pretty much done you know, playing outside in quotes during the summer. But I always found it ironic and frustrating that the time in which you had the most time to watch television was when nothing new was on. <laughs> and when I realized that like summertime is a dead zone for TV. And it's because adults and like people that spend money and watch commercials and actually buy things that they're not they're not watching TV. So there's no reason to release new things. But I always felt that frustration. I'm like, God damn it. Like, I am free. Why aren't there new sitcoms on? Why aren't there new SNLs on at night on Saturdays when I can stay up and all of that? So did, could you relate to that at all? Or is that just a me? Thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember being really young and it seemed like, you know, and also during the era where TV ended at night. There weren't 24-hour channels. And cartoons would start up. You know, you couldn't wake up at 3 in the morning and watch a cartoon on an all-day cycled cartoon channel. You, you know, cartoons would kick in at like 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning with some like really old Fleischer shit, Popeye and stuff. I remember that era. And again, like you said, like having that time, even in the morning, even Saturday morning cartoons, like the stuff wouldn't, you know, the new, the new blood wouldn't come until the fall. In TV in general. So I remember being like, you know, praise God for like Showtime and HBO when we finally got Showtime because you could at least watch some movies at home without having to go to the video store without VHS. But that was certainly a big thing pre, you know, those cable movie channels, especially where there was like a big sense of that. You know, now kids don't have to deal with that. They, they just watch whatever they want on subscription services or YouTube, certainly, and all that kind of thing. You know what the other thing is that we should we should mention, Kyle, especially growing up on Long Island, is the beach mm. and that being a big part of the summer. Now, I notoriously didn't like the beach as a kid. Um, I really didn't think it was that fun. Like I liked our family trips to the beach. The dad would drive us out to Northampton. We wouldn't go to a local beach like Smith's Point. We would take the hour drive out further east. And it was cool that mom and dad did that. But I think I liked those trips really because we were with just with each other. You know, we were with the family. We would have lunch together on the beach and stuff like that. But I didn't like the beach proper. Like I would just rather be home in the neighborhood with my friends. Now I've gained a really heartfelt, profound love for the beach in my adult life. Just being near the water, like the vibe, the way the air smells, the way it tastes, you know, just the whole look and feel of being near the, you know, being on the shore which I love. And eventually I want to you know, move towards the water again because I miss it. But it's a classic case, I think, of growing up and taking something for granted. You know, you're on Long Island. It's like 30 miles wide. So you're never too far from the water, no matter where you are. And we grew up pretty close to the water. So that was a big thing. And I still have friends like PJ hates the beach still to this day. He always did. So, and I wonder if that is a classic case of like, if PJ grew up in the Midwest, would he feel the same way or would he be more compelled by it? Because again, he grew up near the water too in, in, in Patchogue. So, and in Babylon, he's not far from there either. So I wonder about that. And also what are your, what were your sentiments towards the beach as a kid? 
and your feelings now. Like, you know, that's a big part of the summertime. Yeah, I, I like the beach. I agree with you where I think adults think kids find the beach like peaceful or something or like they they get the same things out of it. But you don't. I think that's kind of the differentiation between I always thought it was so weird. Like, you're just laying here. What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> it's boring. What are you doing? This is boring. And and as an adult, especially living in California and in L.A., where I live two blocks from the beach in Santa Monica, I'd be on the beach all the time. And I, I so I always appreciated it. It feels very homey to be on the beach or be near the water because that's how we grew up. And living in central Virginia now, about two hours from water, is like the furthest I've ever been from a you know from an ocean. So uh, I personally really like the beach. It is a nostalgic thing. I I remember later dad getting like the Explorer and driving out onto the beach, and we had like we go to this private beach, and that was always fun. And I know dad has a strong affinity for the beach to this day. He but does. I I agree with you. I I mean, see, this was what I was thinking about when you were talking about Graydon too, which was. I feel like we can't judge too much how kids act today because we didn't have access to what they have now. Imagine the distractions like it's easy to be like, yeah, I, I loved, you know, being with my friends and and dicking around outside. It's like, yeah, because you had you didn't have anything to do uh, you had Now it's like you have this this enormous collection of things that are vying for your time and outdoors. I mean, as an adult, I'm very much a homebody. I, I was talking to someone recently where I was like, COVID, and I'm not trying to be flippant, but COVID didn't change my life at all. Like, not at all. And so it's easy. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a recluse anyway. I don't, I don't care if everyone's... <laughs> I, I think I've probably worn a mask, like, for a combined 90 minutes in my entire... Wow. In the entire thing. Like, that's how, like, exposed I was ever to anything that needed that. Yeah, know? yeah. And so I just always think, like, well, the shoe could be on the other foot, and and we, I could have been born in the time where like people were hitting sticks or circles with sticks and shit like that. You want to kill yourself or you have, like, you have <laughs> nothing to do. Imagine how bored people were. I can't even imagine how bored people used to be. And not even and that was probably just normal. It's just yeah. like, wait, there's nothing to do. You have maybe a selection of books if you would read. Yeah. Maybe you, 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 and that's where I think natural appreciation comes from and hard work and ingenuity and all that that comes in those, those quiet times. But yeah, the summer is a is a complex beast for me, just based on that. It's like a mobile sort of season for me. I think that's why I'm so insistent on staying home these days. Like mom is desperate for me to get like to go to, to the beach house in New Jersey, which I haven't been to in, in years since college. Yeah, she and, really wants you to go down. And I'm like, I'm like, you have to understand. Mom. I'm like, that's not fun to me. Like, it's not relaxing for me to be like, I'm going to leave my element. All of my things are in my house. My dog's here. I have everything I need. I'm going to get up, drive for hours to go to a house that I don't live in and vacation and be on quote unquote vacation there. But that's not vacation to me. That actually is angst ridden for me. And all, all I think about when I do <laughs> shit like that is when I can go home, you know, so that's just the way I am. Right. It, it, it's just um, it's, it's so I don't know. I, I, I guess I just wanted to throw that in for Graydon because I can totally ap- appreciate that that perspective of being like, I don't care, man, I have a switch. We didn't yeah. have a fucking switch. I we know. had Athena on NES, you know, and like some ratty old books. Dude, I'm telling you. No, you're absolutely right. Context is a big part of it. And pre-NES, I would say early, even early to the mid 80s, like the most exotic thing you would have is like the cast off black and white TV with the Atari 2600 hooked up to it in your bedroom. You know, that would be the most exotic thing. Now it's like, 
the smartphone and every subscription service, YouTube, the Playstations, the Switch, the tablets, every kid has a laptop. Like it's like, yeah, it's true. If you put it in that perspective, I wonder how different it would have been even growing up, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's true. They have a lot of I don't want to call it distraction because I think there's a place for everything. But as a parent, you want, you're just pushing for balance. You know what I mean? You just feel, and it's like, it's almost like this thing of like, don't go outside with a coat because you're going to catch cold. You know, it's like this thing of just like this overarching theme of like, balance is good. I don't, I'm not even sure if I could articulate why, but like a little bit of everything, like too much of anything is bad. Like have a little more variety. That's I think that's where we're at as parents. And again, I don't I don't know the exact value to that. It just seems right. <laughs> it just seems like the right notion. Sure. So, you know, you do again, you do your best. And you know, he's he's got those he's got those qualities. Again, he's weird though, because you get graden outside. It's hard to get him back in. We went to the pool the other night. I was texting you. He didn't want to go home. I mean, we stayed till they closed the pool at nine o'clock. I've never been there that late. You know, so it's like that type of thing. It's like, and that's the other thing about summer, you know, the longer days. You got to, you know, like you were saying, playing manhunt at night, you start at twilight. It's already 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. You know, only in the summertime could you do those things. You know, nine o'clock in the fall, it's like, you know, it's been dark for five hours already. You know, so, so that's, that's the type of look and feel to the summer that I still relish. I get nostalgic for that, you know, how different yeah. it is compared to. The other seasons, especially the colder seasons. Meanwhile, you hear about, you know, people in Alaska and Scandinavia and everything where they have these long ass days and then long ass nights. And I'm so jealous of the long nights. Like I, I love the nighttime. Like Me I too. just, I wish it was, oh, like everyone's like, oh, when they you turn back the clocks or whatever. And I'm like, this is awesome. Now it's going to be dark <laughs> at 430. It just settles me in. I work better at night. I play better at night. I'm more focused at night. The weed hits better at night. Everything's good. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, the coziness. I get it. Yeah, I'm all about the coziness. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Dave, let's end with the final season here in our sequence, Fall. Fall's really visual to me. Of course, there's also a very, a series of just, you know, it's 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 a metaphor. It's a metaphor. that Fall is a metaphor. I mean, the very name of it is a metaphor. And it's, called, of course, called Autumn Elsewhere. We call it Fall in the United States. I was really, really taken with um, this notion of of death and reemergence as I got old, I got older, and fall is the beginning of that death. And where is death so pretty than in fall? Where is the end so visually stunning? Right, like you watch an old person wither away in a hospital or a nursing home. A person dies traumatically in a car crash. A tree is cut down. A plant is pulled up by its roots, right? All these different things. But this is an elegant and natural death. And I like watching it emerge. And as I walk around my neighborhood here in central Virginia, very suburban, kind of rural, I was just stunned when I was walking around with Rush about, man, these colors, this orange, you've never seen this red. You've never seen. Look at the contrast with the blue sky and the the green, the green evergreen trees and i don't know i i dig fall if not for winter fall would be my favorite season i think what what do you think about fall oh man you know it's it's definitely tied with spring for me for my favorite season for me autumn 
is the coolest atmosphere. I mean, visually and just the overall vibe, I love the fall so much. Like you're saying, the color of the sky, the changing leaves, the falling leaves, the crisp air, the way things smell. And of course, I'm coming from an Eastern slash Northeastern United States perspective, but I just love the way it feels. You know, I love the way it feels. I was thinking about this. I think the one piece of media I would use to describe how the fall should essentially feel and look and what it, what it really seems like when you're in it is, oddly enough, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. I, th- I just think it's the perfect representation, even though it's very cartoony, it's the peanuts, those watercolored backgrounds, very simplified, but I think it captures the vibe of what that season feels like so perfectly, even down to the music, the way it sounds, you know, the crunching leaves and the fall has this weird quality. It's like, which I really relish for some reason. And I always have, it's colorful, but it's also a little bit melancholy. I don't like that. You know, I just, there's just something about it that, that speaks to my nature. I think that's also why I like twilight in general. Like I like the time of day throughout the year of that switch from day to night. You know, I, I love that sort of sunset vibe to things. It just, it's really nostalgic for me. I can remember like Twilight specifically, I think speaks to my childhood because I was probably in the car a lot going back and forth from grandma's to where we lived on Eastern Long Island and just looking out the window. It was that one time a day going back and forth where you're not doing anything. You're not engaged in watching a show or playing with friends or watching a movie or playing with toys or any of that video games later on, any of that, you're just staring out the window. And I think I did that so much as a kid during that time of day that that, you know, now that time of day really speaks to me. And I think it's the same thing with the fall where I just get really extra nostalgic for it, you know, and there's other qualities of the fall that I think make it instrumental and something that you would be, you know, you would feel nostalgic for as a kid growing up. You know, again, punctuated by the holidays, certainly Halloween falls right in the middle of it. I would even consider Thanksgiving is a cool one because it's kind of pivotal between, you know, fall and winter. It's kind of the crossing over from one season to the next, which is kind of neat. And I think about also on the upside, like on the early side of fall, you know, you have technically 20 days of the of September is still summertime. So you have that really transitional period of the fall. The fall has kind of like chapters, you know, which is kind of neat. But I think about growing up, the excitement of back to school in early fall, like how like, you know, it seems like, all right, you you were done with school, you enjoyed the summer. Now it's going to be fun to go back, get your new teacher, see some of your friends again. You got your fresh back to school gear. You know, you went back to school shopping, you got new clothes. When you're younger, you got the new lunchbox. You know, you're pristine and fresh, like uh, school supplies, pencils and erasers. And yeah, everything's kind of so pres- exciting. Yeah. So crisp. Everything's so crispy and great. Uh, that era, I mean, that was that, that back to school period of being excited about that is such a big part of childhood for me. And it was funny. We were in Target two nights ago. And guess what they're putting out already? Oh, yeah. All the back to school. Right. Yeah. This is coming at you on July 9th. So that was the 7th. Already back to school, giant back to school displays, school buses and all the iconography that goes along with it. 
it's comical. But fall to me, man. I mean, it just just on the way things look and feel alone. You know, you're busting out the jackets again. You're getting excited about Halloween. I was never a huge Halloween kid. Like Halloween was fun. You were the same way. Like not super into like dressing up. Yeah, no, necessarily. I, no, no, you went along. You did it. Right. You know, it was cool. Right. But not, you know, not a cosplayer by any stretch of the imagination. No. But I love, you know, I love that. Like the fall for me, I think it's probably the most multidimensional of the of the seasons in that, you know, you have those different lines of demarcation where it's like back to school and then you're rolling into early October. And that was always kind of cool because it was mom and dad's anniversary, dad's birthday, mom's birthday is in, you know, mid-September. Then you're rolling into Halloween. Then you're rolling into, you know, post-Halloween. It's starting to get wintery now and then thanksgiving and it's going to be winter soon so you know i i just love it i would definitely i think it's the season that i would miss the most had i not experienced it because it really is like it it sounds so cliche but it really is such a drastic change from the summer to the fall the most drastic i would say of the you know physically and visually it's the most drastic change between the seasons i think especially where we live sure and you know so for me it's like and I still love it. That's the thing. It's like it hasn't changed for me. Like winter has definitely taken a different tone for me now as an adult where it's more aggravating. You know, the fall is maintained. You know, it's a, it's a constant for me. I, I still feel the same about it as I felt when I was four, which is kind of neat, you know. For me, I think this particular season is appealing for multiple reasons. My birthday is in October, so that's that's one thing I would have to throw out there. But Growing up on Long Island, and I've, I've often noted this, I think we were just really lucky. And because we, we grew up in such a Jewish and Italian area that we had a lot of days off in the fall, like you would roll into these Jewish holidays. You get, I think they still get Columbus Day off and all of the rest. So I remember that, too, where like it was a soft start. We go later than a lot of people on Long Island. Like we're in school well into late June. Often. Yeah, yeah. But we were kind of like rolling in in like early to mid September. And then you just go like, I remember there was like October, you'd be in school for like sometimes like eight days or something ridiculous like that. But you got to get two for Yom Kippur, whatever, whatever, Rosh Hashanah, whatever's right, going on at that right. time. That's right. Sure. Yeah. So I definitely remember that. And I also love, and I brought this up earlier with just the, the natural part of it. I've often said that I'm really taken by the, a green tree over a blue sky. Like I feel like that is such a, a beautiful visual. And I like fall because it emerges unnatural colors that you still see in nature, but not very often like orange and red. I mean, you have your pumpkins and like your strawberries and all this kind of stuff. But generally speaking, these are not natural colors. You don't see them. That's why they draw your eye. And so I just love, again, watching that transition as all the leaves change and fall and nature just kind of takes it's 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 just it's so funny that this is the way it is. Have you ever ever thought about that? I mean, it's just so funny that. It doesn't have to be this way. There are places in the world where things don't change and plants aren't annual or whatever and leaves don't trees don't lose their leaves and I think about how fall and winter are just part of this epic ancient cycle of rebirth and that we understand what's happening in that. So fall has this kind of sort of sim- symbolic nature to me too and then in a in this creeping darkness that we're talking about, like natural darkness, which I like also comes in. I brought up hockey earlier, which is more winter oriented, but that's when everything kind of starts happening in the fall and especially football. I must say beginning in high school into college to today, the fall football totally changes my life for the, that 
22 weeks or whatever it is. And my Sundays revolve around football. My entire week revolves around watching it. And that is a very fall thing. That's when I start listening to my podcast every day and start getting really into the Jets and really start engaging and all of that. So fall brings that along with it, too. And as far as the back to school stuff is concerned, I think I mimic what you're saying, where I never would. I don't remember ever being upset that I had to go back to school. I, th- I remember being ready. I feel like I never was like, oh, I wish I can extract a little more time out of this. I feel like by the time late August, early September rolls around, you're kind of anxious because you, you you have the promise of what's next, the next grade, the new friends, the new teacher or teachers, whatever, like you said. So the fall is pretty dynamic. And I also feel like it's even though it has this strong identity and all the and even though it, it I think literally does technically last as long as the other seasons, it, it feels short because fall is often truncated by an Indian summer and the front end that doesn't allow fall to really begin where we're from. And then at the back end, it starts to snow often and get really cold. And you just don't think about that as fall. So really fall is like October and November. It's it. It's over. After yeah. That, as far as I'm concerned. That's true. Yeah. That's a great point. It does feel shorter, and that probably is why. It could get interrupted on either end, which is really interesting. And you know the football thing? Football has become so important and has left such a big imprint that I think even non-football fans definitely feel that wrapped in as part of the season and part of the really part of the nostalgia. Like I know for me, like even Helene's not a football fan, but I know like, you know, come time for football season to roll around like that being on definitely gives a certain vibe that adds to the falling leaves and the changing colors and the pumpkins and Halloween. Like it's all tied in together. I think football has become like a really big part of that. You don't even have to be like a necessarily huge football fan to feel that, which I think, you know, says a lot, you know, about, you know, what defines a season for us as, you know, from a, as from an adult perspective. But I remember that, you know, I was really into football as a kid. Like I had the NFL lunchbox. Like I was really into it. You know, Uncle Mike got me into the, da- the Dallas Cowboys very early and probably through elementary school, at least I was really into it. You know, I was definitely tied, like glued to the screen come Super Bowl day and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's definitely a big, a big chunk of it. You know, one thing I was thinking of that's a fall memory for me, Colin, you might be able to speak to this too especially coming out of the summertime, right? The summertime, you have all this flexibility. And it's probably the one downside to the summer where it's like you could go to the dentist anytime. You could make Mm -hmm. a pediatrician appointment. You do all the things that you, you know, those things that you don't really want to do, the things that are more toil, right? Especially as a kid, like you don't want to go to the dentist, orthodontist, even the pediatrician, like you'd rather just be home with your friends. In the summertime, you kind of could do that anytime. In the fall, once the fall kicks back around and school starts, you have that weird thing, which is always like a really cool thing of like leaving school early yeah. for appointments or going in late, Love you know, that. and then for us, it was a, it was an epic thing to go to the pediatrician because it was 45 minutes away. So we would go to Dr. LaPera's in Garden City. That was an all, and then go to grandma's after it was like an all day affair, go get lunch, whatever. So that was a cool thing about September rolling back around. It was like, okay, we got to take a whole day out of school. And then it's like, you get that little holiday feel, you know, you get that, that sense of being an eight year old. What is it like on a Wednesday to be out of school out, you know, out of school at 1130 in the morning, this is what it feels like. And it's such a rare thing. 
you get to see the world operating outside those four, those four walls of your classroom, which is so weird as a kid. It's weird in a good way, though. It's compelling. You know, you're like, oh, this is what it looks like in here. Like, we're going to go to Friendly's on, for lunch, you know, when I would normally be in the cafeteria on a Tuesday, like that kind of thing. I always really lumped that in with the fall, which is weird because it could be the springtime too, and it could be the wintertime. But for the, I for some reason I always tie those memories in with the fall, which is really strange. What about you? Do you remember those those instances of like getting taken out of school? And oh yeah, dude, it was the best. I, so I think good. I brought up on a previous. There's like memes that make fun of it too, which is so it's a universal thing. But especially like the feeling of bringing back McDonald's, I always remembered that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like and you'd go to lunch, and you'd have like a bag of McDonald's or a Happy Meal or whatever. That's so, epic. Yeah, I would always be dead, and I remember too, like parents our parents and, and I'm sure others trying to kind of delay the first day or half day that you would miss by as long as possible because then it, you know, like how long I never had perfect attendance or anything, but I don't remember ever really trying to stay out of school either. I don't know that I really minded it that much. I think it's part, part of it is just feeling like you're supposed to mind it more than, than actually minding it. Yeah. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. Well, Dave, that's our, pretty long ranging topic on seasons and the nostalgia of seasons. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate that topic. And I hope everyone out there likes this one as well. I think they will. They like these, you know, they like the, the stuff we're going to get back to Battlestar and Metal Gear Solid and all that. Oh yes. Oh, of course. But they like these one-offs and I thought this was a really pleasant one because it allows us to kind of, again, it's structural. This is a structural notion of the setting of all of your stories, just as much as where it happened and when it happened is in what season. So absolutely. Thank you for that, Dig. Appreciate well that. Said. And thank you all out there for your kindness, love, and support of our show. Dig, before we go, we have to wrap up with a dad joke. I'm wondering if you have one ready for us. I do. I do indeed. Now, don't put plastic produce bags on your kids' feet. Yeah, please don't do that. And don't seal them with really tight rubber bands. And you guys, my God, yeah, asparagus rubber bands. <laughs> which is definitely what they were <laughs> and twisties Dad, god dad had so many twisties how many twisties did dad have? oh my god just the twist so oh. many and i was i actually so a real closing comment is i don't know if i've ever said this to you but i always get mad when i think about how hard it was to extract a ziploc bag out of mom and dad and how it was like <laughs> act they acted like these things were made of gold and I just go through them like crazy now as an adult like I oh, just put too. whatever I want in them it's like who cares right. why was it such a big deal <laughs> why couldn't we have normal bag like sandwich bags? and I remember going to my friend's house and be like oh yeah and meanwhile we have like these little fucking sandwich bags you have to fold them in and like you can't only have <gasps> oh, one I remember like, those oh they were so bad Holy so shit. gross and yes bad. they didn't seal no they didn't seal no, that's all. Those are literal sandwich bags. And why were they such a rare commodity? Why were we made to feel like that was so expensive and so over the line? It's so fucking weird, isn't we it? We have it's to so, have mom and dad paper, on the show. Paper towels, too. Like, I, oh, as an adult, paper. I started using paper towels left to right and center. I'm like, fuck this. I don't even buy napkins. I buy just bounty paper towels. That's all I buy. That's all I Bounty use. paper towels. Yep. Yes. That's it. And Again, I'm like, dude, I could use this to wash my body every day and like dry myself off and it wouldn't be that much money. It's like, why were we like, don't use paper towels. I'm the same way with paper towels, Kyle. And it probably comes directly out of that. Helene's like, you're so wasteful with paper towels. And I don't do it to be wasteful. I don't. I just, I'm meticulously clean and keeping everything dry and everything like that. I also have a theory that 
it keeps my garbage from smelling bad because there's so many paper towels in it <laughs> that it's just like you know it sponges up any bad yeah, it, could, it could be it could be i mean they're made to be used yeah. they're made to be used and they're not that expensive and hey mom so i asked mom to do me a favor it was like six months ago now i was like i'm almost out of paper towels she was going to like bj's i was like can you get or costco or whatever can you get me some paper towels and so she brought back she's like they didn't have the paper towels you like so she brought like this garbage oh no just dude i i couldn't believe how bad these these paper towels were and it really goes to show you you also get what you pay for but i have no idea how he went on this tangent what is the dad (laughs) joke thing speaking of dad all right my friend this one's coming to us from I i believe twitter handle is the solo taylor so this is from him kyle i was gonna tell you about this girl i know who only eats plants then i remembered you probably haven't heard of her before <laughs> that's pretty good not bad that's, that's pretty clever that's a like a little one. meta yeah i like that right one. that was good hey we we got some we're so deep in with dad jokes it's a task just to find one that we haven't said already that's true. Right? You're We're going to have to start them writing them. Plagiarize. I know. God forbid you write one yourself. <laughs> Someday. All right. Well, we, we appreciate you, Dagan. We appreciate all of you out there for your love, kindness, and support of our show on free feeds, YouTube, and of course, Patreon at patreon.com slash Media. We'll be back next time for more Knockback. Until then, goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holt. Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, Htrons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelus Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert the 
Third, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lagia, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Trembley, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.